From architecture to painting and sculpture, literature to live music and theater, Radio 111 presents The Desert Scene, your connection to culture and entertainment in the desert cities. Here's Bonnie G. And welcome to The Desert Scene, and we are really, really happy to uh, welcome to the show a dear friend of mine, he's been on many times, he's a veteran of the show, Jerome Elliott, who is Artistic Director at Desert uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, Desert Ensemble Theater Company. I'm not, not quite awake yet. Hi, Jerome, how are you? Good morning, Bonnie, I'm fine, how are you? Good, so this next show you guys are doing sounds really interesting, Kafka's Joke. So tell tell us the basic story here. Uh, Kafka's Joke is the world premiere of a play by Rich Rubin of Portland, Oregon, a very distinguished playwright. It is about the life and afterlife of the early 20th century writer uh, Franz Kafka, who was a Czech writer who wrote in German. He's, of course, very well known for uh, Metamorphosis and The Trial. And when Kafka died very young in 1924, he asked his best friend, uh, a lawyer by the name of Max Broad, to burn all his manuscripts. Except Broad didn't do that. Instead, Broad finished what was unfinished, edited everything, and had it all published and made Kafka a celebrity after he died. Kafka was not very well known during his own lifetime as a writer, but he became very famous after he died, worldwide famous, uh, on coffee cups, on Mm T-shirts. And this play follows a true story about what happened to his manuscripts over a period of 100 years until they ended up in the Israeli Supreme Court in 2016, and the court had to decide who rightfully owned Kafka. Was it Kafka's uh, best friend's secretary, her elderly daughter, or the state of Israel? Um, So Mm. it's a very, very uh, interesting, complex, and very funny uh, narrative uh, about this. What do you why why was it that uh, and forgive my ignorance on this why was it that Kafka wanted all of this material burned? He had no confidence in himself. He thought that what he wrote was not very good, and um, I think he was disappointed that he didn't really get a chance to finish it uh, the way he wanted to finish it and uh, just didn't want to be remembered for what he considered an insignificant uh, body of writing. Interesting. And how, so he, you said he died young. What, what, did he die of uh, some disease that was rampant at that point? Uh, tuberculosis. Oh, okay. And was he in, in his th- 30s? How old was he? He was, I, I believe he was in his uh, early 40s okay. uh, when he died. And um, so uh, Broad and he were about the same age, and Broad lived well into his 80s and spent uh, his life traveling all around uh, the world uh, promoting Kafka, mm-hmm. lecturing, and uh, again, editing his works. And the interesting thing is that the Kafka that we knew for many years was the Kafka that Broad wanted the world to know. He mm 
kind of sanitized it a little bit, cleaned it up, took anything out that was overtly controversial. Okay. Uh, and it's not until the past 20 years or so that they discovered Kafka's original manuscripts with the notes in the margins. And now we're getting much more direct and visceral translations of Kafka. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think, I'm, just as you're, I'm asking you your personal opinion on this, how do you think Kafka would feel about what ultimately happened? With the, do you think he would have been angry oh, or happy? Well, in the play, his ghost is furious. Okay. I mean, that's okay. the, the fun part about this. He's played by John Corr, who is mm-hmm. a wonderful young actor that we worked with last year in our production of Salty. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's hovering over, uh, his ghost is hovering over Max Brode, asking him, why did you change that word? Why are you changing my words? Yeah. Why are you doing this to me? I do not want to be remembered. Wow. Interesting. So let's talk about the cast. You've got a great cast. Um, John Corr, Larry Dykeman, Charles Herrera, a dear friend of ours, who, as most people know him as a wonderful singer, but he's a very good actor as well. Melanie Blue very, and Jackie Davis. So tell, tell us about your cast and how you put them together and how they're working together. Uh, they're working. To, it's an ensemble piece. Everybody plays anywhere from three to eight characters. There's a total of 27 characters wow. in this play. And um, they all uh, auditioned and gave great auditions and just seemed to be the right organic unit. They've been working together very well. There is a huge section at the end of the play where it is rapid fire, small bits of, uh, they kind of summarize the story. And Mm -hmm. and then this happened and then this happened. So as you see in summary, and uh, that takes a lot of listening to each other and a lot of faith in each other and trust. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, ja- Jackie, and, um, da- go ahead. Oh, well, uh, Jackie Davis, yeah, we were just about to talk about the same thing. Uh, Jackie Davis is primarily known um, as a musical uh, theater person. She is a mm-hmm. music director. She's also a wonderful so, musical theater actress. Yep. And this is for her, as it is for Charles Herrera, but this is for Jackie, I believe, her first um, non-singing role. And mm-hmm. she's just hitting it out of the ballpark. She plays... Ava Hoffa, who was the daughter of Brode's mistress, Esther Hoffa. And Ava Hoffa was the one who eventually had to bring this to the Israeli Supreme Court. And um, she was very, a uh, very colorful figure. She was a um, admitted crazy cat lady. She owned over 100 cats. Wow. And if you do, uh, I, we've done a lot of research on her, and I thought he was making this up in the script. But nope, that's who she was, and she was very proud of it. Mm-hmm. Now, are there, uh, are, do people have uh, German accents in this play or other accents? No, because for the most part of the play, um, we assume that the people are speaking their native language. Okay. So uh, in Czechoslovakia at that time, they did speak German, but it would be a little for 90 minutes to have everybody speaking with a, a fake accent would yeah. be off-putting. So everybody yeah. is just speaking uh, English as if they were speaking German. However, there are a couple of figures, um, such as a couple of uh, Nazi uh, officers, as Broad is trying to escape Europe, that Mm. we have assigned an accent just to kind of differentiate them from everyone else in the cast. Right. And tell us about Melanie Blue, who I adore, and she's just hilarious, one of the funniest actresses in in the Valley, I think. Tell us about who, who she plays. Melanie plays Esther Hoffa, the the uh, mistress of Max Brode. Uh, she was in a very interesting relationship with him. 
she and her husband Otto met Max Brode when he immigrated to Palestine in the late 30s, early 40s, and they sort of had an arrangement, ah. <laughs> which was very well known at the time that the three of that they were kind of an early thruple, I guess you, mm-hmm. is the way we could put that. And uh, Melanie uh, is just brilliant in the role as she is brilliant in everything. She's a joy to work with because she's absolutely fearless mm-hmm. and uh, she will just go there. So um, I think people are going to once again enjoy her. She has a Torrid Romance with Max Brode, played by Charles Herrera, mm. who, again, is known to mostly everyone as a singer, but he's giving a marvelously layered portrayal here of this um, historical figure. And tell and who uh, Larry Dykeman, tell us about his character. Larry Dykeman is a wonderful character actor, and he actually he actually plays the most characters in this play. I think he plays eight. Wow. He plays Kafka's, Kafka's father. He plays a... German publisher and is a, a Tel Aviv airport official, a German border uh, crossing agent, uh, a lawyer in Israel. And I first worked with Larry when we did Proof in 2019. He mm-hmm. played the um, father, the mm-hmm. mathematician who was uh, slowly uh, losing his mental faculties. And yeah. he was just wonderful to work with then, and he's wonderful to work with now. And is this is this uh, play Kafka's Joke? Has this been something that's been on your list, your wish list for a while to do? It actually, uh, Rich Rubin, the writer, has been on my wish list. I've read many of his works over the past few years. Rich is um, a writer based in Portland. He's won dozens of prestigious playwriting awards all over the uh, the world, and has had his play works his plays workshopped and produced all over the world. I read many, many of his scripts over the past few years. I've wanted to work with him. When I found this one, I said, this this is really a brilliant piece of work. It's got uh, Desert Ensemble Theater written all over it because mm-hmm. it's offbeat, it's quirky, mm-hmm. it's like nothing that you're going to see anywhere else. And he's been very wonderful to work with, providing some of the historical insight, working with me on minor adjustments to the script, because this is in many ways a workshop production, since it's the first time that it's ever been produced. Mm -hmm. And sometimes actors will come across something in the rehearsal room that just needs a little tweaking or needs a little um, clarification. Mm -hmm. So this is a world premiere. So when, how long ago did he actually write this? Um, I think he wrote this about, I think this came to my my inbox about three years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a very prolific writer. He's always working on something. A few years ago, I had a play of his called Russian Troll on my short list, and it was a very tongue-in-cheek look at what the people who we thought were the Russian trolls were actually doing over there in Russia mm-hmm. uh, during that time. And I came this close to producing it, but it just didn't make the cut. So I'm really glad that we have the opportunity to work with Rich this time. And uh, so tell me, tell us about, uh, Jerome, I wanna, I'd love for di- directors to talk a little bit about their style. How would you, what, what would you say your directing style is? Um, my directing style is sort of like that of a 
a movie director. Movie directors really, uh, for the most part, trust that they've hired the best actors and that they're going to. Woody Allen, for example, barely gives any direction to his actors at all. He mm-hmm. just knows they're going to do a good job. I give them the basic material. We talk about an approach to it. Then I like to see what they bring to the table. I, mm-hmm. I like literally. I like to see what they do at the table, reading yeah. um, through through the course of the rehearsals. I'll let them be very inventive, very collaborative. I will, along the way, give them guidance as to uh, pacing, uh, especially in the long monologues in the mm-hmm. show. I really needed them to hit certain levels, and um, so that it, you know, there's a rise and fall to right. it. I like it to be their performance, uh, and then again, I have a certain style that I want for the play, so I want to make mm-hmm. sure that they're working within those parameters, that they're on the same level with all the other actors. But mm-hmm. it's basically, I want them to have fun with the role and to show me what they can do. And tell me about, because um, we've all, many of us have had this experience. I know that you, you and Charles Herrera are longtime friends, as I am as well. Is there any spe- special challenge directing a friend, someone you've known for quite some time? No, it's, it's actually, well, Charles is just a joy to work yeah. with. I mean, I've seen him work with people who are not as close to him as mm-hmm. I am. I mean, he is one of my best mm-hmm. friends, but he's also, we put that aside mm-hmm. in the rehearsal room. If I, if I need to give him a note, I give it to him. I mean, there's a certain playfulness that we have and the banter that we have, but yeah. I have that with more or less all of the actors. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Kafka's Joke, it runs two weekends, March 10th and, and through 12th and 17th through 19th. Performances Friday and Saturday at 7.30 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Tickets are $35 on sale now. You can go to desertensembletheater.org or call 760-565-2476. Um, and again, the Desert Ensemble Theater Company performs at the Palm Springs Cultural Center in Theater One. Lovely, lovely space. Well, Jerome, congratulations. I'm coming to see it. It sounds like a fascinating play. Looking forward to it. Um, I, I'm enjoying directing it. And I just want people to know, don't be afraid that it's about literature. It's really funny. Okay. All right. On that note, thank you so much, Jerome Elliott. And we will see the rest of you next time on The Desert Scene.